Hi, and welcome back to Peaceful Home Birth. I'm so excited to share today's interview with you. This is part two of Audrey Stinson's story. Go back and listen to part one that was posted last week. And it is so important because it really shows her heart and her passion for Jesus and birth and just pursuing all things home. And it's just an amazing, amazing episode. So this interview really goes into her first story of her first home birth and an H-back, which is a home birth after cesarean. She had two C-sections with her first two babies and then switched to home birth at 33 weeks pregnant. So she goes into all things labor and what she did to prepare in those last few weeks before choosing home birth or before having her home birth. And it was just amazing. Make sure that you connect with her. And you guys, sharing stories like this is so, so important in preparing not only your mindset, but your heart set around birth and getting yourself into a posture of welcoming in the dreams and the desires that the Lord has placed there. And it is so important. So I hope that if this story is impactful for you, that you would share with another friend, that you would send it to them, that you would send, you would leave a five-star written review. It helps so much further the message of peaceful home birth. Encourage other women that this dream and the desire that is on their heart for home birth isn't crazy. It is a possibility. So I would highly encourage you guys, if this is something, if this is a journey that you're on, and if you find this helpful, do these things. Because one day we can have birth normalized and the community replaced where it needs to go. And Jesus and the glory that he has, um, for himself through birth will be shown to all men. That is my heart. I I pray that birth is restored to its original design and that's what this podcast is for. So I'm so thankful Audrey shared her story here today. And if you listen to this and you're like, oh, I need some help with my heart set. I need some help with my mindset. I need some practical planning. Schedule a 15 minute call with me. We can get this uh, solidified. We can identify your dreams and your desires and your goals for your home birth and then come up with a plan on how to get there. So schedule a call. We'll see how I can help support you on your journey to peaceful home birth. You can schedule that call by going to bit.ly slash 15confidence and set up your free call today. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose, and I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. 
Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. All right. Thanks, Audrey, for coming on the show again. I'm so excited to talk about your home birth. So this is a part two of your last one. You guys can go back and listen to her last episode. It was so good. I was so fired up (laughs) after talking with that last one. And I'm excited to be able to bring you back and just hear your your home birth stories. So if you haven't listened to part one, go listen to that. It will give you some context of what we're going to be talking about today. And before we hop in, would you just do a quick little introduction again? And so we can get to know you. Yes. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Audrey. Um, It's funny. It's like, I don't even remember what I said in my last intro. So we're just going to see if I say the same thing. Um, I am a wife and I'm a mom. I'm a wife to a high school sweetheart. We met on the back row of our orchestra class. We both played violin. Such a sweet little story there. Um, I am a nurse or I was a nurse uh, before I started having babies. I got my RN from Texas Tech University. I did ICU nursing for a little bit and then I turned into a clinic nurse when we came back to have babies. I still worked as a nurse for my daughter's first full year of life. And then after that, the Lord impressed upon my heart to explore staying home, something that I never, ever, ever thought that I would want to do or be interested in doing. Um, Both my parents worked, still work even throughout my whole life. And um, my mom even got her doctorate degree when I was seven. So I was raised by a woman that I thought, you know, you just you just worked and had your babies and that worked for her. But the Lord pricked my heart for something different. And so I hung up my stethoscope, as I say, after my daughter was one. And I started staying home with my babies. And so that's what I've been doing. And now we homeschool. And now apparently I home birth. And <laughs> I try to figure out life living at home um, as a homemaker. So that's something I was never modeled. And so I'm learning it uh, from a newbie standpoint. And it's been an adventure. Yeah, I love it. And I think that this is something that so many women are feeling corrupted yeah. to do. It is so interesting. There's like this reawakening of getting back to like home. And I just love that. And especially when you say you will never do something, there's been so (laughs) many times in our life. And we joke all the time. My husband and I were like, we better not say never because that's exactly (laughs) where we end up. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I just love that we're, we're getting back to home. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I just, I love having you on this podcast because this podcast isn't just about like home birth, but Mm -hmm. it's about that peaceful home birth and how that's Mm -hmm. a start of to a peaceful home. Right. And just everything all incorporated into that. So I am really, really looking forward to hearing uh, your first home birth story. So why don't you just dive in and give us maybe a little context of that um, planning for the home birth again? Yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. Allie, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so giddy. Okay. Yeah. So the first home birth. Now, if you have not listened to my the part one of this conversation, you might want to go hop over and hear all the details of it on that first interview that we did. But just for a quick recap, I did not know I was going to be home birthing with my third baby until I was about 33 weeks pregnant. So I switched providers at around, well, I was in in 
interested in switching providers at 30 weeks, had a consult with a midwife group in my area that only did home births, didn't do birth center, didn't do hospital births. Um, and then I switched over officially to their practice at 33 weeks. So it was my transition to home birth was not a let's research everything about home birth. Let's get my head ready to have a baby at home kind of mentality until my third trimester, my last little stint of pregnancy. Um, and it was quite an adjustment. So what got me there again, more details in that other interview that we did, but what got me there was having a really insightful conversation with the doula that we ended up hiring. And she was so gentle and kind and walked me through um, plans for what a home birth could look like um, and asking me what my plans for birth were. And at that time I was still under an OB-GYN's care and she shared with me, you know what? It actually sounds like you really want, it sounds like you want to have a baby at home. And that was startling to me because I absolutely did not want to have a baby at home. <laughs> I thought, I thought I could have everything that I was dreaming of and wanting around my birth, but just in a hospital, because that's where I had always been taught and heard time and time again, that's where it was safe. And so again, at around 30 weeks, I transitioned from okay, I just really want this VBAC, really want this VBAC into, okay, no, I actually want, I actually want to do this at home. And so my, my prayers changed from like, Lord, please lead me down the path that it will take me to have the best chance of having this baby vaginally to, okay, Lord, please help me have this baby vaginally and also help me do it at home. And so that was a, even though I've been preparing my mind for a natural labor, because I knew that that gave me the best shot of a VBAC, that really flipped me flip the whole game in my mind from doing that at hospital versus doing that at home. So that was the leading in. Yeah. So a little question about that. I'm so curious. Yes. You say you were planning like a natural birth. Was there mm -hmm. a little part of you in the back of your mind that was like, but there's an epidural there just in case. So like, is that mm -hmm. why you were feeling like you wanted the home birth type feel, you wanted all of the options, but you still wanted the hospital. And then once talking through it, is that when some mindset stuff came out? I'm just curious, how much did you prepare for a natural birth and how big of a change was it to go actually at home where there was no option of an epidural? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say... I would say I really did prepare to not have an epidural. I really did mentally, mm -hmm. but I do think you're right now that I've lived through it. Mm -hmm. I do think you're right that there was still a small part of me that thought I'm not going to have an epidural, but if I needed one, really, really needed one, I could, I could, if I needed it. Um, but no, that actually wasn't, that wasn't even on the table. It's like a main reason why home seems so scary. It was just having to undo those things that, I don't know if it was the same for you, but in nursing school, I mean, now I kind of cringe looking back on it, but I really ha was kind of taught, it was put upon me that people who did not choose to have babies at home or chose to have home births were ignorant um, and a whole slew of other unkind and foolish things that I thought about people who chose that path. Selfish. And so it selfish, like, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself or your baby at risk? That's so, so dumb, you know? And, and again, that's, so I was having to undo that. I was having to undo that with, you know, weeks left of a pregnancy versus if you go into home birth from the beginning, you've probably been listening to podcasts like yours. You've been putting information and research in front of you that would bolster you up in your choice and your excitement for this choice versus me, it was hospital, 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 but just natural. Then it was, okay, now you're actually going to do the thing that you used to judge other people for doing wrongly. I know that now, but yeah, so that was the biggest hurdle to probably get over was that home is safe. Home is a valid option. Um, and home maybe even is, dare I say best, you know, for me and what I was desiring for my birth. And so that was the biggest thing I would say, not even epidural, but in my birth, there definitely was a moment where I thought, you know, that would be lovely at home. I was like, that would be lovely if I had access to that. But 
it's funny how you just push past things when you don't have access to them. So well, it's yeah. also funny because a lot of times people are choosing the hospital just in case they did want an epidural where the reality right. is even if you birth at home, you still do have the option for an epidural. You just, yeah. you know, like you that do. off the table. So it's interesting to work through, but I'm curious before we get into your story, what was the process like for you in that last few weeks of pregnancy to switch your mindset? Like first, sure, it came with the awareness of like, these are the things that need to get changed. But then practically speaking, because we all come in with mindsets around home birth, like it's impossible not to have certain Mm -hmm. beliefs about home birth. Now, yes, comes with awareness of figuring out what that is. But once you were aware, what was a process like for you to rewire those and to change those beliefs? Mm hmm. So it had to do with a lot of conversations between me and my midwives and my doula and um, continuing to research things, look at books. Uh, Ina Mae Gaskins is, I'm sure, something that a lot of people who go this route have read, but it was, you know, newly put in front of me um, toward the end. And then watching a lot of natural birth videos, which it's one of those things. It's not for me. I don't think I'll ever put my birth videos out there for the world to see. But man, am I thankful for the women who have done that (laughs) because it it really helped me kind of get my mind around it and watching water births, tub births, um, how that was going to go, because that was something that I I did want. Um, But it, it really had a lot to do with conversations. And I would talk to my husband and kind of see where he was at with his concerns and worries. And because I, I, I have a lot of emotion inside my thoughts and processes and why I choose to do something versus why I don't. Whereas he was able to just look at things practically, which I so appreciate in, in my husband. And I'm sure many wives who are listening also appreciate that in theirs as well. But I, I would ask him, like, am I missing something? What do you think about this? I'm kind of nervous about this. And he, his voice and his encouragement, being able to say, okay, but remember what they said? Because when we went to the appointments together, he would point me back to the information we received from our midwives. And one of those things that helped me the most, I think, prepare for readjusting, hey, no home is actually safe too, that they said was when my husband brought up the concern of what what are we going to do if for whatever reason she is not able to birth vaginally and she will need another C-section and we just don't know yet. What they said was in an emergency when you're in a hospital situation, there are a lot of warning signs and markers that we're going to be able to see because we're trained to see them before it becomes a true emergency status. So by the time you're in the hospital and emergency is happening, there were probably a lot of other things that were happening leading up to that emergent status. It didn't just, you know, not every time, sometimes it does, but it didn't probably just poof out of nowhere unless you had pre-existing conditions that were well-documented or you were in a high-risk pregnancy. And them, the midwives saying this to my husband, who was clearly concerned about this for his wife and unborn child, were able to look at him and say, we're watching things in the leading up. We're watching things right now as she's still pregnant. And so when we get to a place of saying, okay, we don't like what we're seeing. We don't like the way this is trending. We're saying, hey, it's time to transfer. Hey, it's time to call before it is an emergency. So we are able to identify when things are going a certain way that are going to be out of our care to provide um, life-sustaining measures or help with so that we're able to say, okay, Audrey, it's time to go. And when we say it's time to go, and this is what my husband liked because he's very much so like, boom, rule following kind of guy. He, He said, or they said to him, When we tell you it's time to go, that is not time to argue. That is not time to say, no, but can I try a little bit longer? That is time to say, we're getting in the car and we're leaving or we're calling now because we know when it's getting to the point where it's past what we can offer help for and we're going to get you the help that you need. So it's not that they're against the hospital. It's not that the hospital is the evil boogeyman. It is there's a time and place for the hospital and we know when that is going that way and we're going to get you there. And so him, them being able to look at him and say, we see that you're scared and we see that you're nervous about this we also care about the safety of your baby and your child. Not as much as you, but we care too. We're not going to just say, well, home birth is what we need to do. This is the safest path. This is the way we got to go. If it's if it's getting to a point that it's no longer feasible to do that, we're going to tell you and we're going to move and we're going to get her where she needs to be to get help. And that was such a relief for him and for me too. 
And so whenever I got to places preparing pregnancy wise, or I'd have a thought flit into my mind as women do typically preparing for birth, that was afraid or fearful about something, I would go back to that. I would pray. Of course, we always submit all our anxieties to the Lord because he cares for us. And I would just revisit those conversations that we had where they reiterated that they're going to be able to tell us when it's time to do that and that they're looking for things before they're in emergency. Whereas in the hospital, things can happen, things can happen, things can happen. And oh, now there's an emergency. Let's get you what you need. And it's not that they're not looking for things early on, but it's not as paramount because they have the tools and the resources they need to tend to those big problems when they come. So that was a big transition for me on the medical side of it, just to have those kind of things be said. Yeah, for sure. And also just like a note on that for people listening out there, it is so important to know more about your midwives than just they're a home yes. wife, you know, because for sure. you can look at them and be like, okay, I know your record. I know that you're not like, when I tell you to go, that means go meaning, uh, you know, that they just like are in charge of you, but you know that they're serious and like they've known They've been there. They know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And there are some midwives out there who do make decisions out of fear and out of like the what if scenarios. Yeah. And so they do, you know, say these things and then transfer you too quickly. Or they're saying they're kind of like speaking things into you. I mean, I just, um, yeah, I, I've heard stories of a midwife just being like, hey, you probably are going to have this labor. And it's like so interesting how transfers happen because a lack of support of the midwife and so right it's just really important to know and have those conversations and if you feel peace about Mm -hmm. like I do trust them like I know that they're not going to transfer me too soon like they're literally only going to transfer me for true emergencies so yeah I just that is a very very important note but you need to know how to interview your midwife and like you need to know what you're looking for and um after having two babies and after being a nurse and talking to doctors like we kind of have a little bit of a we can read people pretty well especially providers don't don't yes. you agree oh I 100% agree yes I'm nodding my head vigorously for yeah. anyone who can't see us <laughs> so kind of gives us a leg up and like reading the the people a little bit more than somebody who's never hired a midwife before or worked with providers so I think that's also really important to note but good note yeah yeah okay I would love to hear wherever you want to start go ahead and (laughs) okay yes um one more thing about the midwives I'll just say my one of the lead midwives in this group had been a midwife for 12 years and one of the things she said to further soothe us was I've never had to, in all my years, I think I had to call the ambulance once. Every other case, which was only maybe a handful, uh, we have been able to drive to the hospital before it becomes an emergent case. So that was that was something that was hugely, oh, okay, so you have experienced this in your in your practice and that's that's your track record. So that was really encouraging as well. So yes, interview, have good questions, check their track record. Those are very key things. I'm glad you said that. Okay, so yes, are oh, the births so fun? So, with my son, so he was born in 2021. My first son, my first home birth experience. I was praying, of course, throughout the entire pregnancy that I would go into labor on my own, because um, that I knew was another could be another risk factor with leading up to having another C-section, being induced or, you know, putting your body into labor artificially. So uh, that was a huge prayer. So I, as as the days were ticking by and the guest date came and went, (laughs) my anxiety was growing. Um, But I'm just, I've now, I've now realized in having four experiences with birth, I, my body just is a longer gestator. So a long gestator. (laughs) I don't think that's an official term, but that's what I call myself. Um, And I, yeah, I don't, I don't even consider my due date, my doing air quotes as a real thing. I just kind of have a loose idea of anywhere between 40 and 42 weeks is kind of where I I go. I don't even, I I refuse to even think I'll go into labor before 40 weeks at this point. Um, 
It just helps my mental headspace. So I was 41 weeks and a day, and I was very sad <laughs> just put things to put things uh, mildly. I was having to carry my anxiety and my sadness to the Lord very often. I it would just pop into my head of like, God, I I really want to have this baby, and now I want to have this baby at home, and you're not letting me go into labor. <laughs> what can I do to help? Um, what am I not doing? And then. The other thought was, okay, but your sovereign and your timing is excellent. So there is obviously a reason I haven't had this baby yet. There's obviously a reason I haven't gone to labor yet. And that's either because my body or the baby's not ready, or there's something you're going to teach me or show me. So can you show me? Because I didn't want to miss out in that time of waiting on whatever he is wanting to show me um, because I'm so heck bent on having my way and getting what I want and starting this labor. So it was a really tense time, just to put that. Uh, I actually ended up disabling my phone and not receiving not receiving like a lot of texts and calls. I really kind of went into myself. I didn't want to invite a lot of people into that space because I was starting to hit that place where people were asking, like, have you had the baby yet? And I wasn't on social media at the time. And so nobody really was going to know when I had the baby. And so people started asking me personally so they wouldn't miss out. Um, and so anyway, I just had to kind of protect myself for a little bit because I knew people were asking or wanting to know, are you going to get induced? You know, how are you feeling? All that kind of stuff. So 41 weeks in a day ended up having our community group for our, our church over because we were hosting our small group Bible study there. I was sad, didn't really want to do it, but I felt like the Lord was like, do not pause your life because you're waiting for this baby. I have plans for your marriages because we were doing a marriage study. I have plans for your marriages. I have plans for, for you guys to grow. And I don't want you to hinder that because you're just wanting to shut down everything um, in preparation for this baby. There is a place for nesting. There is a place to protect yourself, but then also at the expense of God giving community um, life breathing community. I don't think that's necessarily the best place to start with trying to, you know, kind of nestle down. So felt convicted to, continue on with life as normal instead of wanting to shut everything down like that. And so we had our group over during group. I started having some very, very mild contractions, probably the oxytocin of having <laughs> like-minded believers all together doing life. Um, but I, I didn't say anything because I was so excited and I was started. I didn't want to scare him away. <laughs> I was like, okay, don't get excited. Don't get hyped. Just be calm and cool. Um, and a lot of my prep work mentally and, physically, I suppose, for a natural labor had to do with relaxing, like you want to relax into the contraction. So I was kind of just breathing through them and practicing quietly on my own on the couch with everybody else with us. Um, so they left and then went to the restroom and my mucus plug came out and I was hyped. I don't even know how excited I sound, but according to my husband, he thought I either had broken my water or my water had broken or I, his head was crowning. He told me later, he was like, I don't know what happened in there until you told me, but I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was something massive. And so when I came running out with my mucus plug just came out and of course I'm like trying to show him like a weirdo. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to see that, <laughs> but also congrats. That's good. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, some stuff is happening. And so I, I texted my doula and my midwife to let them know. Um, and they both were, you know, very much so reiterating what I already knew to do, which was calm down, <laughs> go lay down, go take a nap, go for a walk, doing all the things that would help it move along if it was true labor, but then also rest, rest your body. Because if it is true labor, you're going to need all the energy you can get. So that afternoon was pretty uneventful. Uh, the contractions kind of fizzled away and I went back to my sad place. I thought, dad gum, I scared him off. But nobody's been pregnant forever in the history of ever. So I knew it was going to happen. And my midwife and my doula were very encouraging saying like, okay, this is good sign. Like your body may not go into labor right now, but it's happening. Like these are the things that need to happen for that to come. So you're in a good place is basically what they said. So um, that evening we decided to go walk around our neighborhood. I was hoping it was going to be our last walk as a family of three or two with two kiddos with a third coming. So we went on a little walk. I came back. I got in the bubble bath. It was lovely, but I was also crying because I still wasn't in labor. <laughs> so it was a 
looking back now, I was just, I was having a little pity party, but everything was fine. So I got in my little bubble bath, relaxed. Um, my husband came and checked on me and I was, you know, just kind of telling him lamenting silly. It was a silly lament, but it was like, I just really hoped it would be today. And, you know, he was also encouraging saying, you know, it still might be, but you just need to calm down. You need to be okay with it not happening because you've said it again and again and again. The Lord's timing is perfect. And that is still true, whether you feel it in this moment or not. So his reminders were great. The relaxing bubble bath was lovely. He put the kids down for me or helped me put the kids down. We had a lovely little family Devo cuddles. It was terrific. Really the last kind of hoorah you would want to have before you have a new baby. It was, it was lovely. And so that evening, probably around eight, my husband, he was like, let's just go ahead and go to bed. He never goes to bed early. And I was ready to party. I was ready to like watch a movie and hang out. And um, I don't know, just hang out. <laughs> I just wanted to not be alone. But I also, you know, knew I needed to rest. So I invited him to watch The Chosen with me. It's a TV series that depicts the life of Jesus. And so um, I asked him like, hey, you know, let's watch something together. Let's just relax and watch. And he shut me down. And that was really, that was, um, that was a blow. <laughs> in, a, in a silly way. But I was like, you never shut down my movie time. What are you doing? <laughs> but again, the Lord is so good. I see all that now because he obviously needed the strength and I needed the strength, but he went to bed at like eight 30. I watched the episode by myself and then I decided, okay, God, it's in your hands. I'm clearly not having this baby today. So I'm going to go to bed. So I went to bed and then at around 11 45, I woke up to a really strong contraction and I was pumped again. I was pumped, but I was trying to be chill and calm, not scared away like I did earlier. So I didn't, by the way, I did not actually scare away my labor earlier. For anybody listening who has a head of baby, you can't do that. When it's time to go, it's time to go. <laughs> but I didn't want to get myself excited and then be disappointed. So laid there, started timing contractions, let my husband continue to sleep. And at first they were, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, but, but that was only maybe an hour stint. And then by 1230, they were happening pretty regularly to the point that was maybe every five to three minutes. And at that point I decided to wake my husband up so he could help me time them. So I really quickly downloaded some free contraction con counter on my phone, woke him up and I said, okay, I think it's real. I think it's happening. And so uh, he started timing them for me. And then probably at around mm, one, we went ahead and called the doula and we said, okay, I think we're, I think we're at a point that it's time. I think we're ready for you guys to maybe come. And so she, she started getting her stuff ready. And during that time I was, I was getting giddy. I was like, okay, I'm allowing myself. I've decided it's happening. The contractions were very strong and they were already at three, every two or three minutes apart, but they weren't strong enough that I was having to like full on shut everything down and kind of go inward yet. It was more just, they were, they were picking up, I should say. So I, I got myself in my special birth gown because <laughs> I wanted to have something exciting to, to wear or change into. So I got myself in my special birth gown. I lit the candles that we had prepped. I got my little diffuser ready for things that smelled nice. And all as I'm doing this, I'm, um, I'm just so I'm excited. Like I, there's no fear. There's no worry. Um, I'm continuing to pray. I'm inviting the Lord into my, any anxieties that I'm feeling and just allowing him to take over and inviting him into the space, like my home. Like he's already there because I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but I'm just asking the Lord all as I'm doing my little preparations, like, God, will you just show up? Like, will you be so deeply present that nobody who enters this house is unable to recognize that you are here? Um, and after I called the doula and told her, after I called the midwife and told her, we also called our, or I texted our um, community group, the people that were there earlier in the day. And I let them know like, okay, it's go time. Like these were the people that we had invited into our life to pray very intimately for this birth, that it would initially be a VBAC. And then now also like bring us safety, bring us beauty, bring us joy and peace, a peaceful home birth in this space. Um, and so we texted them and we had like a chain of command. Like there was one person I was going to text who was going to let everybody else know. And um, 
And they ended up actually driving to my house in the middle of the night. This is 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. at this point. And they parked outside our house and were praying for me while I was in labor. It was, it was such a beautiful experience. And just another reiteration of have people that you can bring into whatever you're wanting for your birth and just pray over you. Pray over you together, apart, when you're anxious, when you're worried, send them a text message. Let them know exactly what it is you're worried about. I had a very specific list of everything that I wanted for my birth. And I and I say this not from a standpoint of like, I want these things. God, give me these things, you know, or else I don't believe in you or whatever absurd thing. It was more of a place of like, God, you tell me to pray about all things to without ceasing about everything that causes me anxiety and worry. And so I made a list of all the things that were popping into my nurse brain, a very clinical list, <laughs> honestly, when I look back on it, of like, you know, not don't, please don't let this happen. Please don't let that happen. This, this, that. And just asking him to cover those things. And I sent this list to my friends and I said, guys, this is exactly the things that have popped into my head over this pregnancy that are causing me worry whenever they come to my mind. And every time they cause me worry, I, I take them captive and I make them obedient to Christ. And I, and I ask the Lord to take this fear from me, but I just want you to know that these are the areas that I really have revisited in my fears. And I really would love prayer coverage over these things. I would love to see God's hand move, not because yeah, I have to, not because um, if it doesn't happen exactly this way, then I must have prayed wrong or I didn't believe enough or God can't do those things for me, but because God does care about the desires of our heart. And I, and I have some desires around this verse or this birth. I have some desires that I would love to submit to him. I would love to see him show up in these areas. So anyway, I sent that list to them of like, Hey guys, here's my people. Or actually I sent my husband the list so he could tell all my people. Um, I sent it out or had him send it out to everybody on my list. Very specific prayer requests. Um, and I mean, spoiler alert, this is something I could have told at the end, but spoiler alert, like he answered every single one, like every single one was just abundantly answered Allie. And it was just it's such a cool thing to look back on now and just see how he provided for those things. Um, it's just amazing. So anyway, sent that out midwife doula, both called, I'm moving around my house, praying just kind of what I'm imagining. I'm just like practicing, like, let's just, when everything's get, when things get built up even more. Um, but again, my contractions I know this now having four babies, they, they were just very quick from the very beginning. It seemed like, like once we transitioned after out of the 10 to 15 minute mark, it was like, it was four to five minutes, two to three minutes very quickly. Um, and, and the, just the intensity was just building. So anyway, my doula showed up first and immediate another answer to prayer. She walks in and she just stands there with her arms out and she closes her eyes and she's like, I can just feel the presence of the Lord here so tangibly. And so that made me emotional. And I was like, praise the Lord. That's exactly what I've asked. So I'm so glad you're walking into this space and that she was able to receive that, you know, and again, the Lord is present with us. I think that needs to be reiterated, like wherever we are, it doesn't matter if you, you pray about it, but there is, there are times in our lives, I think that are much more we can just feel his presence so much more tangibly because we're, we're actively inviting him into those spaces with us. He's always there when you're a believer, but there are moments where you just, it just permeates the whole area you're residing in. And so that was just a really sweet moment for her to come in and not knowing that I'm praying for that, just feel that just hitting her. And so she came over and immediately started, you know, moving me, like getting my hips pushed on, um, applying counter pressure. She encouraged me to dance. I had a playlist going and um, on my playlist, <laughs> on my playlist, I had mostly worship music, but I did have a few fun songs. Um, and one of them was uh, Sean Mendez. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> it was a um, it was one of his fun ones. And my husband very strongly dislikes this singer. <laughs> so this was my one opportunity to get it in there. I was like, listen, it's my birth. I'm pushing this baby out my music, <laughs> what I want to listen to. And so I was over there in our living room, just swaying it out. Sean Mendez is <laughs> great. And my doula was like, come on, Hunter, come dance with her. <laughs> and he did not. <laughs> out of love he was like you know what I gotta get this birth tub ready I'm sorry I just can't it was fine I had a great time by myself just swaying through some contractions um 
but I, I also was hitting a place where I was like, you know, I feel like I just kind of want to sit. My, my, my doula was really trying to help me, you know, be mobile, be upright. But I was hitting a place where I was like, I think I'm ready to sit down. I don't remember what time this was, but because anybody who's gone through birth before knows it's kind of a blur. <laughs> so unless you write it down, which I encourage everybody to write down your birth story as soon as you can after you get settled with a baby, because it is such a sweet thing to look back on now that I've done that with my second home birth, but I did not do it with my first home birth and I really wish I had. So there's my little pitch for that. But anyway, so I was ready to sit down. I was kind of feeling a little bit weak when the contractions were hitting because I was feeling really heavy. And so my mid or my doula recommended we go to the toilet, which man, that is my place. It's my jam. I didn't know this, but it's called dilation station because whenever you sit on the toilet, your body kind of has learned over time that automatically that's a place that you release your pelvic floor just naturally opens at that time. Cause that's where you go to release what's in your body. And so sitting on the toilet, I mean, it's like a magic thing. It, it really, it really helped a lot. Number one, it supported me. And I could sit, I sat backwards on the toilet. So she put a pillow in front of me so I could lean on it. Um, And it also, especially doing this at home, it helped ease my mind that I'm not just going to poop and pee all over my floor, even though I knew at this point, (laughs) this was something we discussed in our earlier interview, our first part of this story. Um, I knew that my midwives were going to clean up the mess. I knew that that was not going to be a concern, but there's just still, it's not fun to know you're pooping and peeing in front of someone. (laughs) It's just not. And so knowing that I was on the toilet, I really felt at ease. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever comes out, poop, pee, baby, it's all good. It's all fine. <laughs> and so that that's uh, that was um, where I stayed for a while and um, worked through some contractions there. And then I started vocalizing more. And I, again, these are things that my doula told me after the fact, or Hunter told me after the effect that my husband, uh, but I didn't know at the time. I just... I just let my body start doing what it was doing. And I remember being told either from my doula or different books and sources that I had read that having low guttural voices, low tones to your voice helps open you up even more. And so I remember sitting on the toilet, having some contractions. And I mean, it it was really kind of crazy thinking back on it. I didn't, I wasn't coached on how to do this. It just came out of me. I just had these really low Ooh, like moany sounds that I had never heard come out of my body before. I never heard my voice make these sounds before. Um, and so I started going through that. And when my doula heard me say that or make those noises, she said, how are you feeling right now? And I remember thinking that is an absurd question to ask. <laughs> I am having a baby. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of things, a lot of pressure, a lot of tension. But now I understand what she was trying to see was if I was feeling pushy because of the noises I was making. Um, And I think she also could recognize I was getting close to, or I was in transition because she's a very experienced doula and she's, she's just excellent. I love her so much. So I made these noises. She asked me how I'm feeling or how, what I'm, what I'm feeling. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling actually kind of scared. I didn't know I was going to say that, but when she asked me that, I was really trying to like, trying to think about why is she asking me that? What, What could she be seeing in me right now that is alerting her to something that she needs to know? And so I told her, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little scared. And she said, okay, why? Why are you feeling scared? What, what was scaring you in this moment? And I remember saying, it's just so much power, Laura. That's my doula's name. It's just so much power. I just, I, it's so, so strong. And so what was scaring me in that moment, if you want to break it down, was I was feeling a loss of control. I was feeling like, whoa, there are things, there are sounds coming out of me. There's ways my body is feeling. And I am... Uh, I'm in zero control of any of that right now. And so um, again, she tells me this in hindsight after the birth is done. She said, after I said that to her, she texted my midwife, you guys need to get here now. <laughs> so that was, she was able to text them. Like, I think transition is happening. Like we're moving along faster than I think we thought we were with her. We need to go. And I mean, I had nothing to base it by because with my first birth, going back on that, I had had an epidural Um things were progressing fine, but I I had never reached the point on my own, being able to feel my body out, just do its normal thing to know what transition would feel like, or to reach a point where I'm getting close to a pushing stage without any sort of pain medication or numbing. So another really great thing about having a natural delivery, aside from all the other things that we know is good for it, 
is that you, you're able to sense what, what's happening in your body. And I know that some people might say, well, that's a bad thing. But really, though, it, it gives markers to your providers and to you. How close am I to the finish line? Roughly. You can't always tell. Only the Lord really knows. But you kind of get an idea of like, okay, these are things my body's going through right now. This is good. This is a sign that this is happening or this is next. Um, and so anyway, I, I really appreciate that now with having experienced a natural delivery is that I, I now have an understanding of what that pivotal change or that fluctuation of hormones, the moving from your fundus is growing and building in strength to now your fundus is pushing down like a jackhammer. Like I enjoyed, even though it seems kind of crazy, I enjoyed knowing all those things now um, to set me up, God willing, for any future births we have. So anywho, on the toilet, she's texting midwife, you got to get here. And I'm still doing my thing. And she decides like, let's go ahead and stand up again. Let's keep moving. Let's get you in a different position. Could I, cause I had been there for a while. So I stood up, um, I started leaning on my husband a lot more kind of like just kind of limp ragdolling while he held me up, which I really enjoyed that too. Um, and then my midwives arrived. And so by that time I had stood up and then I had gone back to the toilet because like I said, toilet was my jam, loved it. And because I really had no control of what was coming out of me at that point, I wanted, I just wanted it to go in all one spot. So my midwife came, soothing, so great. Hardly even knew she was there, which loved that. She just came over, booped the little Doppler on my stomach to see how baby was doing. Noted that he was pretty low, which was good. Um, made sure he was good. And then she just backed off, said, okay, keep going. You're doing great. I loved that. I, I thought that was so cool because it was just so hands off. It was so, hey, I just made sure that you're looking good, made sure baby's looking good. And everything's great. So keep letting the natural, good, amazingly God-designed process work its way. And I'll be over here if you need me. You know, it was so cool. Um, and again, coming from a medical background, it's just so rare that in whatever whatever kind of thing we're working with that we just say, okay, yeah, we're just going to back off here. There's so many times I can think, it's like, okay, we're going to add this. We're going to do this. Okay, now let's do this. And there's like a micromanaging or there's a, let's, let's intervene in this, but in birth, it's just, it's a good thing. It's not a pathology. It's not something to fix. It's something to allow to happen. Whereas everything with the nursing or with a lot of different medical things that people come to the hospital for, it has to do with there's problems and we need to fix it by giving this medication or starting this antibiotic or this drip or whatever it is, giving a catheter, you know, there's just so many things. And so I'm just not used to a provider, a medical professional coming in and saying, yeah, we're, we're not actually going to do anything. You're doing great. Just keep doing it. And so that was a, that was a neat moment that I didn't expect to have as I was laboring, that I just had this connection piece of, man, birth is not a sickness. Birth is not a disease or a process that is bad. It is something that we can allow to just happen and not touch it unless we need help. And that is a real thing that is sometimes necessary. but there's a lot more incidences where it's not necessary. And I was just shown one of those by the way my midwife treated me. So anyway, that was cool. A little highlight moment for me in my birth. So she checked me, I kept doing my thing. Well, it kind of, it was getting to a point that I, I was ready for pain relief. I was ready for more management and I was ready for the tub. So we moved me back over to where my husband had set up the tub for us and I was bouncing on the ball and I was going through some contractions there. And I remember my midwife saying, okay, after this next contraction, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to have you lay down on the couch so I can check you to see how far you are. And now, now that I've done it a few times, I don't know if I would have uh, allowed to be checked at that point. But again, this was my first real rodeo with natural birth. And I, I wanted to know where I was at that point because um, I wasn't clear yet what I know now is that your body is clearly doing what it needs to do. You're good to go. You don't need to check. But she wanted to check me before we got in the tub in case I wasn't as far along. Um, she didn't want me to get in there too early. And so I had my contraction on the ball. I ended up peeing on myself on the ball. And I remember doing that. And I was thinking, oh, great. My water broke. And they both were like, no, sweetie. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't your water. And I was like, oh, man, sure, stay on the toilet. It's fine. But then I got myself onto the checks pad that they had waiting for me on the couch. And she checked me. And I remember her saying, I don't even feel your cervix anymore. And I remember thinking, 
and I, I actually didn't just think I said okay but what does that mean <laughs> because that that at this point I know I should probably understand what you just said but I don't know what that means <laughs> and she said oh that means you're complete you're ready to go it's time to push the baby and I and I just feel it felt such a wave of relief because right before she checked me with that last contraction, she also warned me saying, listen, we're going to check you before we get in the tub. And I want you to be prepared. You might not be as far as you think. You might have a lot more to go. And I remember feeling just crushed by that for a moment uh, before the next contraction took over my brain power. But she's told me afterwards, she said, after I said that to you, Audrey, you turned white as a sheet. <laughs> I was I wasn't scared in that moment to think oh I might have hours and hours of this left. That's a lot to process. Okay, because um, even though I'm I'm saying as I'm telling this story the words like pain and stuff like that, I did not allow myself to describe it as pain at any point in preparation, um, and even even in discussing it with other moms, I don't I didn't call it pain. And, and, I'm, and I really wouldn't. And the reason I say pain now is simply because that's a way that's typically described by people and they understand that. But I didn't even call them contractions when I was preparing for this. I called them waves. I said pressure. I said intensity. Um, because how we talk about birth, how we prepare our minds for birth is so incredibly powerful. So even though I'm saying pain here for story's sake, if you're listening to this, don't. <laughs> If you're listening to this, be mindful that there is a difference between pain, like we would say, like, oh, I stubbed my toe, that really hurt, that was painful, versus your uterus, which is a muscle contracting mightily to push a baby out of you. That I would not consider to be pain in the general terminology that we use it today in America. Um, so anyway, I was, it was not necessarily painful. It was just incredibly intense. And the intensity, the idea of the intensity going even longer was beyond me. I just, I, I was very nervous about that at that point. But when she told me I was complete, I was like, okay, we're close. We're really close. So I got in the tub and started the pushing phase. And so that, again, that was probably the part where I was most in a blur, just what I, I guess people would call labor land. It was all so dreamlike, it seemed like. I, I didn't feel like I was in there for longer than five minutes, but I was in there probably for about close to an hour, 45 minutes or so. And so during this time, I was mostly leaned on the side of the tub, grasping my husband's hands. So even though I tried to relax every other part of me, and I had my precious doula and my midwife telling me, okay, Audrey, relax, relax. And she would, she would touch me between my eyebrows to tell me to relax this part because that's apparently where I carried it a lot or she would tap my shoulders to just kind of let go I was I was still tense in a lot of areas I thought I was relaxed but I really wasn't <laughs> and that was also evidence like I was putting all my tension in my husband's hands as I was squeezing them as tight as I could um but I was leaning on the side of the tub that's what I was doing for contraction squeezing leaning and that was my jam I loved that place they tried to get me to move a couple times in the tub couldn't find a different place I liked more. That was the best on my knees, leaning forward. Um, a couple times my daughters cried out in the night. So my doula ended up going and tending to them, which was excellent. It was, I mean, there's so many reasons why hiring a doula is wonderful, but that in particular was very helpful for us knowing that we, I didn't have to have my husband leave me. He could stay with me. Um, while she was able to console them and quiet them and help them so that he could be there for me. And while I was leaning on the tub, I remember thinking, man, I, I don't know what is coming to my husband, but he is saying everything right. Like he is Johnny on the spot. Everything he's saying I, is so helpful to me. I'm so encouraged. I feel so loved. I feel so supported and seen by him through what is the most intense moments of my life. And I told him afterwards, after the birth, I said, babe, you were incredible. How did you know how to say all that to me? Like, I, I, we didn't coach you. That was amazing. And he laughed and he said, babe, I literally was only repeating everything the doula said. That's all I was doing. <laughs> but I didn't hear the doula say any of that. And so that is my pitch to husbands and to wives to encourage your husbands to be that voice to you, to be that strength that you can call upon those moments. Um, that you might have other people around you, but it will be your husband who is going to say the things that you cling to in those moments. It is going to be his love and his strength and his ability to protect you that is going to make the biggest impact. 
Um, and I just, I love that. And so if anybody's hearing this, who's on the fence about hiring a doula or things like, oh, my husband can just do it. That's fine. Your husband can do it, but make sure he's equipped to do it. Um, because something that I love about our doula is that she made sure that he was the guy who got the spotlight. She was not going to be the one who was going to be my biggest support person, even though she was, she was my biggest support through making sure my real biggest support was getting everything that he needed to feel equipped to encourage and love and call upon the strength that I needed in those moments. So hiring a doula is not a hiring replacement for your husband. It is helping your husband get the aid he needs to be a confident birth partner to you. That's my pitch on having a doula. There's so many reasons why it's amazing, but that was one that I really loved is that he was over here basically telling me, oh, I actually don't earn, I don't, I didn't deserve the praise. I just repeated things, but he repeated all the right things. And he, he was able to speak that to me versus anybody else. And now we have this really cool bonding memory through our birth that we wouldn't have maybe had otherwise. Um, So that's, that's that. So I was in the tub going through these contractions, going through this pushing phase, really tried to relax, really let these guttural animal noises come out of me, not necessarily screaming, but just very deep, low tone moans. And anytime I got high, my doula was awesome. And she's like, hey, Audrey, bring it low, bring it low. And so having her guide me through that was really helpful too. And uh, we had music playing. It was back to my worship music. No more Sean Mendez at this point. And we were, I was just, I was just praising God. I would, I remember in between contractions, I would just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just over and over again. And when I wasn't saying thank you, Jesus, like just muttering that under my breath in between contractions, I was singing. And so I didn't think I was going to cry. It was just <laughs> thinking about the story, but it was just such a sweet time with the Lord. Like, the lead up all the months and months of praying and seeking his will and asking which path to take and knowing in those moments in between contractions as I'm resting, like, this is where you've led me, God. You've led me every step. You've never abandoned or forsaken me. I have Hebrews 13, 5 that I'm trying to memorize. It's a very short passage, but never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That was so evidence in my birth, like just in between and during my contractions, during the waves, like I, I was just surrendered over to the Lord, like, Lord, you brought me this far and you won't leave me or forsake me. Like you're going to continue to carry me. And there was one song that really, really resonated with me as I was through the deepest parts of the pushing phase. Um, it's it, the lyrics. I can't remember the name of it, but the lyrics say, no one has ever cared for me like Jesus his faithful hand has guided me all my life. And that just really struck me as I was crying, praying, breathing through these things. Like I have never had anyone like you, Lord, even my husband, he's wonderful. I love him. I need him in this moment, but even that is nothing compared to how I need you and how you've always showed up for me. And you've always been a faithful friend to me. And there's nothing quite like birth. I, I have to say there's nothing quite like birth when you are stripped of everything else and your your any sort of semblance of control is far gone from you and you are surrendered over to these sensations there's nothing quite like birth to point you to jesus there's nothing like falling into his ever-present caring arms because there you can't pretend like you've got it together you can't pretend like you can handle it yourself because you cannot you can't um and so anyway, that was just, that was what was on repeat in my mind. And those were the thoughts that were in my head as I was praying these out to the Lord. And when it finally came to the very end and he was crowning and, you know, all the pressure and the, the stretching that happens with what people know was the ring of fire. I mean, that really wasn't even scary. I, I remember thinking, this is it. Like, this is, I'm about to meet our son. Like, this is incredible. And I remember slowing down. Like, I, I know that it's sometimes can be easy. Like, okay, I'm, I'm at the finish line. I'm literally at the finish line. Let's just get through it. But I, I just found myself slowing down. I remember to breathe and to let my body stretch at that point. And so I let my body stretch for a couple contractions and his head was born. And then after that point, my, my midwife said, okay, Audrey, we can probably get him out and maybe one or two more contractions. He's right there. He's right there. And I interpret, she was just trying to say like encouraging, like, Hey, we're so close. You're almost to the end. Like we can get, he's going to come out soon. But I perceived that as, okay, it's time to push him out, which now looking back in hindsight, I would not recommend. <laughs> I would recommend literally letting your body do its thing all by itself. 
but I, I felt the next contraction come and I said, okay, it's time, it's time to push him out. Right. I mean, the head came out. That's the hardest part. False <laughs> for me, at least it was a false statement, a false belief right there. Um, because when I, when it came to push him out, uh, his shoulder got hung, his shoulders were wider than his head. And so that I, when I tell people my story, that was the only part of my birth I will ever officially say was painful. Um, that last little push where his shoulder got caught. That was the one moment that I was like, that I will register as pain. I will allow that to be pain. Um, but it, when he came out, he was born. And I remember thinking that my midwife was going to pull him back behind me. And I was going to have to turn around the tub to pick him up. But she, we didn't plan this. I didn't know what was going to happen, but he was born. And she just like in between my legs, pushed him in front of me. And I remember feeling him come out and I kind of kind of moved backwards to get in a better position to get him. And she said, okay, he's right there. And I remember looking down and seeing his sweet little face. And, you know, if you've ever heard of water births or seen a water birth, typically the way that the baby comes out is they turn to you, they face you, and then their arms come out. It's like, a, it's a, it's a, called an unfolding, I think. And like, I looked down, he has, he's unfolded, and his arms are out, ready for me to pick him up and hug him. It was just so sweet. So I picked him up, I just held him to me. And I just kept saying on repeat, thank you, Jesus. Like, here we are. Here's this V-back. You did it, Lord. And you allowed me to experience it. So that was that was the first birth. <laughs> and it was amazing. Oh, my goodness. That makes me want to have another baby. <laughs> Sorry, that's so dangerous. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, you had so many good, good points in there. And I just, language is so, so important. And when you're intentional yeah. about that, it really does make a big difference. And then just yeah. the presence of the Lord and being open to that and receiving that is like, wow, there's nothing better than experiencing the peace that comes with his presence, right? Like that's where true peace comes in when we are at a place to invite that in. So I just see that as so beautiful. And I hope so many people are encouraged. And I know we didn't get to your second birth, but where can people connect with you to? Because that just happened not long ago, right? I know. Yeah. Well, so the first the first birth happened twenty twenty one, and the second birth was less than five months ago. Yes. So, so it was yeah. Do you have pictures up on your Instagram? I do. I posted. I even posted the birth story there. So even though I didn't get to talk about it here, you can go through the post on there at faithful labor. It's on Instagram. Eventually, we'll do a blog, but not there yet in my life. Capacity's yeah. not there. So yeah, it was it was a whirlwind though. That was probably a two hour birth. So there's not really much to say. (laughs) It was a fast one. (laughs) I love it. I love that so much. And I think so many people, especially if you've had C-sections before, I mean, we're told all the things about a V-back and H-back, like, oh, it's going to be so start and stop and it's going to be so hard. And you, you know, like there's so many things that get put on you where you were so intentional. I'm going to protect my mind. I'm going to bring people and community around me to support me and the Lord. And I, this is so important. Like if anybody's out there, I just hope you heard her story where she's like, I wrote down what Mm -hmm. I wanted. Like, Mm -hmm. and it was because he gives us the desires of our heart. Literally like he places desires in our heart so that we will ask him for that and ultimately him be the glory. Like how amazing is that? So many women are afraid to dream, are afraid to write out what they want for their birth because they're afraid they won't get that. And that just is minimizing the power of God and it's minimizing his love for us. And I just hope women hear your story and say, wow, God loves me so much. If he loves you that much, then he loves he loves other women out there that much too. And I just, Absolutely. I I pray that women get to experience what you did in that moment. And it comes mm-hmm. through faithful prayer. It comes yeah. from seeking after him. It's coming. It comes from being educated and surrounded by community. And your story is just so encouraging. So thank <laughs> you for sharing. And do you have any like last words of advice or encouragement to anybody listening out there today? Yeah. Well, I mean, going along exactly what you just said about not being afraid to pray specific things over your birth and to hand those desires over to the Lord, knowing that he, 
he was probably the one who placed those on you and placed those in you to have. And that's not bad. It's not, it's not even selfish or greedy to, to give this to him. And the fact is, we all have desires for our birth, whether you voice them or turn them into prayers or not, you have desires for it. And my thought was, if I, if I know I'm going to desire these things, I'd rather them, I'd rather hand them over to the one who can actually take the desires and answer them and care for them and loves me enough to hear me rather than just, oh, I don't want to ask the Lord. I'm, I'm afraid. What if he says no? And also don't be afraid if he does say no, like he, his sovereignty, his goodness, his love for you isn't depleted or isn't less because he maybe says no to some of those requests. We have faith. We seek that. But ultimately, like his, he is still God and he is still good and he is still loving, even if some of those things are no. Um, and sometimes when he says no to those things, it's because he has a way of answering a bigger yes to something else you've prayed. And so I would just say, commit those prayers, commit those desires to the Lord and trust him with them and trust that he he loves you enough to hear them. Yeah. And that just makes me think of Matthew seven eleven. It says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Like mm-hmm. we know ultimately what are good gifts to give to our children, right? Yes. <laughs> give good gifts to our children, but sometimes they ask for things that are just like, honey, that's yeah. <laughs> like, I have so much better for you. That's the yeah. same the father even more so like he can look Mm -hmm. at the big picture and say yeah you asked for that but Mm -hmm. honey that's not the best thing for you like I right and how encouraging is that I just love that so yeah (laughs) make sure you connect um with Audrey and just read her other story and thank you so much for your time and coming on here I've so enjoyed our interviews together yes me too Allie it's been lovely thank you for having me I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.